lamenting. Lamenting. That's what we're going to talk about today, lamenting. And I want to start by kind of setting a, a trajectory of thought about what lamenting is and, and how we should do it properly. And it's uh, this. One theologian says this. The Bible is filled with the song of sorrow. Over a third of the Psalms are laments. The book of Lamentations weeps over the destruction of Jerusalem. Jesus lamented in the final hours of his life. Lament is so much more than crying because lament is a form of prayer. It's more than just the expression of sorrow or the, the venting of emotion. Come on, y'all. How many of y'all have vented recently, okay? Uh, it's different than that. Lament talks to God about pain. And I want you to remember that. Lamenting is talking to God about pain. It has a unique purpose, which is trust. It's a divinely given invitation to pour out fears, frustrations, and sorrows for the purpose of helping us to renew our confidence in God. Lamenting is a part of life. It's something that all of us have probably done in some way, shape, or form, but we maybe did not realize that that's what we were doing. So not only do we want to understand that it's something that we will do, but also how do we do it properly? Because there's a proper way to lament. But uh, laments are uniquely Christian. It's a uniquely Christian thing that we do. And you have to have a proper theological understanding in order to do it properly. Okay, we're going to jump into some of that here in a second. But this song alludes to uh, times whenever the Israelites were in exile. And so what would happen if you've read the Old Testament, you know that the Israelites would, they go through a good season. All right, there was plenty, there was prosperity. And then typically they would begin to fall into the same sin all over again. Come on, y'all, that cycle. They, they begin to displease God. And then eventually after God would warn them, Y'all, sometimes for generations, okay, God would then carry out his judgment and sort of reset things. And many times the Israelites would be exiled. Uh, a, a foreign country would come in and take over, and they would have to leave. They'd be put into slavery, whatever the case is. There's different illustra- uh, examples of that throughout the Old Testament. But, uh, but they're in exile, and so then the people of God, it would cause them to cry out to God all over again, Right? And I think that's a, a good picture of us. You could look in your own life right now and probably see that cycle where, uh, man, things were good, and you sort of lost your sight as far as who God is and what he was. It's almost like God blesses us with things. You know, we, I'm not going to say it's always like this, but in our mindset, it's like this. We pray for good things, we get good things, and then we leave God because of the good things. You know what I'm saying? And then it gets bad, and then we get mad at God. And then eventually it's like, okay, maybe God, I, I want the good things again, so then I'll come back to you again. And then it's good, and then we get comfortable, and then you, you see the cycle? Now, in some way, shape, or form, that's happened to many, many people in some way. And I think the reality is that, that, is, uh, that we could see that in the Israelites too, which shows us that this is a human thing. It's something that we do, y'all. And, uh, and so we, we need to talk about it, though, what happens whenever things are bad. Uh, now, another big point to make before we kind of get into the meat of this is that the cause of all lamenting is, is sin, okay? If you look at the Israelites, whenever they fell into sin, okay, it caused them to have to go through this process of being purified, which was painful, and then they would lament, but sin was the source of the lament, and the things that we walk through in life, if you trace back the origin of those things, it's sin, for some people, 
It's, it's the sin of, of selfishness, okay, bad decisions, breaking trust with somebody. It's relational pain that they walk through or they grieve. Uh, but, but even the source of sickness, y'all, it's not God is the source of sickness. The source of sickness is the brokenness in the world that we live in, which is rooted in sin. It's rooted in the enemy. And so the source of all pain, all the grief that you've walked through, it's not God. For many people, that's a big point. How many of you, don't raise your hand, you've gone through a tough time, and the question that you ask is, why are you doing this to me, God? Whenever we go through hard times, we begin to say things and pray things that we, we didn't think we'd ever say or pray, which in itself begins to attack our faith, right? Come on, y'all, we've all been there. I've, I've been there. I was praying prayers just, just a couple years ago that, that if I was to say in front of you right now, you'd be like, that's not a very pastoral prayer. Yeah, but it was a really honest one. <laughs> it was a frustrated one. It was a frustrated prayer. And, and we're going to learn that that's not always, that's not a bad thing. But, but let's look at this. How do we do this properly? We're going to look at four elements to lamenting. And they're all going to be found, going to be found out of Psalm 13. The first element of lamenting is this, is that we turn to God. We turn to God. Psalm 13, verse 1. The author says, how long, O Lord, come on, he's talking to God, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your, your face from me, your attention? Another way of thinking about this, your face from me, is, is the presence of God. Whenever we talk about the presence of God, there's this whole illustration of God's face being turned towards us, his focus, his attention being turned towards us. How many of you know whenever somebody's looking at you in the face, you have their attention? And so when he says this, uh, how long will you hide your face from me? That's a picture of somebody who feels like God is distant from them, that God has turned his back on him. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, he said, you know, my Lord, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned from me? And we see this tension throughout scripture of, of, of God turning his face from people or people feeling that he has turned their face from him. And so many of you, that, that, that's what you say, right? That's what you think. You're going through a tough time. And it's, Lord, are you even with me anymore? Are you even here? That's a tough season whenever we begin to, to pray those prayers and say those things because we feel like God is no longer, quote unquote, on our side. Come on, y'all. Even though we know scriptures that says he'll never leave or forsake us, it still feels like he's distant. And so whenever we're in these seasons, the first thing that we must do is turn to God because we're always going to turn to something. For many people, they go through a bad time and they turn to a drink. They turn to a relationship. They turn to something. And what that says about you is that that is your source. Whenever I'm struggling and I reach out for something or someone that shows that I feel I'm going to get relief from that thing or that person. You understand that? And if you look at those hard times in life, just ask yourself, what did I reach for? Who did I reach for? The first thing about lamenting, the first step is that we got to reach for God. And I know that that sounds cliche for so many people, especially if you've been in church for a long time. It's like, oh, yeah, this is the part where the pastor says, turn to God. Okay. Come on. But it's true. It's true. Because there's a lot of things that you can turn to. And, and, and it, it alleviates a certain part of the struggle in the moment. But long term, it leads to a completely different uh, 
result. And so laments, here's a, here's a big thought. Laments turn toward God when sorrow, frustration tempts you to run from him. I want to show you the, the contrast between these two responses. Lamenting, it, you, you turn to God. Frustration or sorrow tempts you to turn from him. It's a different response. There's a difference between lamenting and just being frustrated. Number two is that we bring our pain to God. You, you turn to God, but you also bring your pain to God Verse 2, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Lamenting acknowledges pains, frustrations, and, and, and things that anger you. Uh, one thing that I, I think is always, I don't want to say humorous, that's not the right, the, the right word, but interesting is how many people will not be honest about what it is that they're actually facing. And this is kind of the whole, like, blessed and highly favored thing. Like, I, I've known people, I've been very close to some, who have been, I mean, I'm talking gravely ill, and they will not say out of their mouth that they are actually sick. They, because they feel like they're confessing something over their life. And first off, that's, that's, that's just bad teaching, okay? Because there's a lot of scripture in the Bible that therefore would be really, really bad scripture. It's not. Lamenting is honest about what it is that we're facing. The reality of the mountain that's in front of us. Lamenting says, this is the diagnosis. Hey, this did happen to someone that I love. Hey, this is happening in my life right now. It's not a denial of it because I'm fearful that in some way, shape, or form, I'm speaking this over my life. How can you pray if that's the way that you think about those things? Come on, just, just take out that big old pink eraser and just erase that type of theology from your mind today. Lamenting is all about being honest and bringing that pain up before God. Being honest about it. So if you feel trapped today, like you, you can't even pray about the struggles that you're going through, man, just, just forget about that. You know, delete, hit the delete button on that because that's not how you properly lament. We see right here, this, this, this author is like... Um, he says, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? How many of you have felt that before? That person will not just shut their mouth, man. Come on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, it, it, some of this stuff, it's not always worst case scenario. Sometimes it's just that nagging relational issue that just keeps coming up over and over and over. I was in a conversation this past Monday with uh, some people I'm really close to, and we were having lunch, lunch sitting outside at Nukes. And uh, you know, sometimes those, those lunches just turn into like really, really deep, honest conversations about what you're really going through. It was one of those, it was one of those lunches. Ended up being a pretty long one. And uh, there was four different families represented at the table. And every single family had extreme relational issues going on. And, and y'all, look, if you've had relational issues in your family, you know that it is, man, family issues hurt, doesn't it? It hurts because here's the deal. Let's be real. If you're struggling in a relationship with just a, just a friend or just a coworker, like, you know, it's bad. But at the end of the day, you can kind of walk away from that relationship. No harm, no foul. But when it's family, come on, y'all. Doesn't it hurt? It goes deep. And guess what? Every, come on, it's Christmas time. Some of y'all are dreading this next week. 
because you got to sit across the table from Uncle So-and-so. You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, and we kind of laugh about it, but you know the other 11 months of the year, you don't want to think about Uncle So-and-so. And, and sometimes it's just their personality. They just, they're just annoying. But if we take it a little bit deeper than that, sometimes, look, there's addictions, come on, that have just ravaged your family. There's, there's, there's you know, somebody broke trust. And so it, it's gone down to a core part of your heart, and you struggle to, like, stomach being with them. And so this time, is, it's not just like a shrug it off. Like, it's affected maybe your parents or your kids or whatever. So it's hurt people close to you. And so, you know, when you read a scripture like this and he says, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? It's almost like those people have done really bad things, but yet it seems like they're doing okay. Come on, God. Where's your judgment at? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Uh, okay, I'm, I'm going to be really honest up here and say things that you would never say and, and admit to. But, you know, we pray these prayers. One of my favorite scriptures is whenever uh, in Psalms he prays about crushing the te- teeth of the wicked. You know? Sometimes we pray those prayers. God, crush their teeth. Metaphorically speaking, of course, y'all. But we, man, you feel it, right? And I'm thankful to God that he left these scriptures in so that we could read it and realize that we're not horrible people. You know? We bring our pain to God. Um, Look, faith in God isn't the the denial of reality. Okay? Some of you are like, I feel like if I say those things that I don't have faith in God, I don't want you to think that way. When If you just denying reality is not faith, okay? Sometimes faith looks like this, bringing it to God, okay? Number three is to ask boldly for help from God. We ask boldly for help from God. Verse three, consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the death, the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Right here, the author immediately goes to God and says, consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. At this moment, not only is this person saying, you know, turning to God, bringing the pain to God, but also boldly asking for help from God. And what this is is a sign that says, God, you are my source. This person is not saying, I'm going to scheme and strategize as to how I can get back at this person, right? That's not, that's not the answer. That's not the go-to. This person says, God, you're my help. Consider me. Answer me in your timing, in your way. I need your help. The third thing is to ask boldly for help from God. To actually go to the source. Now, to do this is an act of faith. And it, it takes a lot of trust to do that, Right? to boldly ask someone for help. But this is an act of faith where we recognize that God is the source of our help and we're instructed, come on, y'all, y'all know the scriptures, we're instructed to bring our request before God. In the New Testament, we read uh, prayers and how uh, we're taught how to pray and to be bold in bringing our prayers before God. I wanna encourage some of you to do that, to pray specific prayers. Not just to say cliche phrases, but to literally come before God and pray to him. Um, I know that, that one thing that we do as people a lot of times is we go to people before we go to God. Um, 
I'll, I'll just confess. I'll just, I'll just confess it. There's times whenever I'm really good about complaining to people and not lamenting to God. Right? The thing happens, it breaks down, and I call my wife. <laughs> you know? The thing happens, I call my dad. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? And, and I skip over this first thing that we're talking about, which, again, today's message can seem so cliché. It can seem so automatic, like, okay, this is one of those sermons. But y'all, <laughs> we know it, but yet we don't do it. And prayer, let me, let me kind of let you in. Prayer doesn't always change the situation. We say this a lot. It doesn't always change the situation, but it reorients and it aligns. It realigns us with God. It changes us in the situation. And that's what this is pointing us to do. But not just in the, the little simple things, but in, when, I mean, I'm talking in the worst case scenario. Now, we build habits in the small things, okay? Um, let's just take exercise. All right. A person that's trying to, like, increase their bench press, they don't just go to the bench and just put on as much weight as possible and just every week just like tear their muscles in half, all right? You don't do that. You work up to it. Some of the biggest guys that you'll see, the strongest guys, they're like half the time, they're like with the little small weights off on the side on the bench, kind of like working on the, uh, the old rotator cuff. You know what I'm saying? They got the five-pound five weight. They're just kind of working. They're doing the small things well. That way, whenever they put the big weight on, they can actually push it up. Now, what you've got to realize is that those small things in your life, it's the small frustrations. It's the small disappointments. And you build up a habitual lifestyle of prayer in those moments to where when the big things happen, you, you apply those same patterns to the big things. And a lot of people miss this. So if I complain or I'm just simply frustrated and I just want to point the finger or I want to blame the enemy in the small things... Whenever the big things come, that's going to be my go-to. I've got muscle memory, right? I've got prayer memory. <laughs> I've got lamenting memory. And, and therefore, I'm going to turn to those, those selfish or self-centered sinful responses. And so today's message, even though it's about the big things, we've got to realize that we learn how to win in these areas and the small things. We learn how to trust God in the small things. But we also do turn to people. And so I wanted, to, I wanted to kind of get the cart in the right place with the horse. Before we run to people about things, we should run to God. But did you know that God also helps us in these things with the relationships around us? Romans 12 says this. It says that, um, it says that we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I learned about this um, about, let's see, it's, it's about three, three or four years ago. Um, my father-in-law passed away about three or four years ago. And we, um, it was a really kind of a, a out-of-nowhere situation. He went in for a regular surgery and ended up uh, having blockage in his heart. And he actually died on the table. They revived him uh, from that heart attack. It produced uh, congestive heart failure. It weakened his heart. And uh, he basically suffered for about four years before he finally, you know, passed away, and uh, it was a grueling process, and if you've been through that process, you know that, you know, you, you go through these stages of grief even before they've passed, you know, the family's having to go through these situations, and, and so we were walking through this tough time together as a family, and so we, I want to, maybe, yeah, let's help them out a little bit, 
it's tough, man. It's tough. It's Christmas week, you know. But listen, he, uh, he, was, he was struggling physically. And so as a family, it caused us to, to live in a constant state of responding to whatever it was that he was facing, right? And so we weren't in control of those seasons. And I think that's one of the most frustrating things about walking through hard times is you have no control over what happens, right? You don't. You're in constant survival and response mode. And so we're walking through this hard time. And uh, one night, specifically, he went into emergency surgery, and um, it was the whole thing where we had to sign the paper, and they said, you know, he more than likely won't make it through the surgery, and, uh, you know, we're in this waiting room. It was really hard, and we went in, and we saw him one last time, and uh, we came out, and we made some, you know, sent some texts, sent some phone calls, and within a half hour, we had a waiting room full of people our family and our friends who came and sat I don't know how many hours while that surgery was taking place, and nobody said anything. You know, we had like little small talk, but nobody really said much. There was long pauses. Um, but what it was is we just sat there, and people were there to support us and just be present. And for me personally, I learned the strength that you find in just people showing up. I learned what this verse actually means, to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn and weep with those who weep. And sometimes it looks just like being present. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually, um, a friend of mine, another example of this, we, uh, we were about to play golf. We met up, and uh, we, we sat down. We started eating before we went to go play. And I had found out that his wife was pregnant through a friend. Like, just, just got, you know, they just found out. It was kind of hush-hush, right? And, and they just found out that with their second baby. And uh, we're sitting there having lunch. And I said, man, so I heard the news. I heard the news. I heard she's pregnant. And he said, yeah, um, she was. Uh, this past week, actually, you know, uh, we miscarried. And he began to kind of talk about the week that they had and the things that they were facing. And in that moment, you know, I said, man, I, I know exactly what you're going through. Me and my wife, you know, we went through three miscarriages. And so I, I understand that very I'm very close to that pain, you know, and, and we sat there and we talked through it. I encouraged him, you know, with some of the things that we went through and learned. And it was just another example of mourning with those who mourn, right? But it's another example of how we ask God for help, but also sometimes God uses people in that process. And I know for some of us, we've been through hard times and we've kind of closed those doors of being transparent and open with people. But I want to encourage you to, to kind of Pry that door back open of trust with people where you could trust again because God will use people in your life to encourage you and help you carry the weight of, of loss. And, and, and through pain, and I get it, man, people hurt us. We, we have bad experiences of being transparent and vulnerable. But I know what the, the benefit is and how God will use people. And for some of you, that might be what you need to hear today. That might be the thing. That's the nugget. Is, is trust again. The fourth and last thing, though, is that we need to choose to trust in God. Choose to trust in God. The last verse, the author says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. Now, I want to just pause here for a second because, y'all, the things that he just said are tough things. And here he says, but what I read there is in Despite all of this, despite that I feel that your face is turned against me, despite I feel like you're far from me, despite all of these things, but 
I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Another version says this, I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. How can someone say this whenever they're standing in the face of difficulty? Well, I believe it's because this person is standing on their theology, y'all. They're standing on their belief, not their feelings. And, and, and that's why having strong theological support in, in who God is and what his character is, sometimes that's all we have to lean on. Because the feeling isn't there and the situation isn't there. It's straight up based on who I know God to be, who I've learned him to be, who I've seen, who I've seen him be in other people's life. Sometimes it's like I can't even look at my own life right now. i got to look at, hey, that person that raised their hand a second ago, they, they made it through. What, what did you do? How, how did, what did you learn about God's character when you walked through that? Sometimes that's the route we go. It's not just a simple prayer in a moment, boom, we're done. It's a process. We have to choose to trust in God. Now, again, we choose to trust in God because we've learned to trust in him. We've learned to trust in his goodness. Why, why can the author say he's been good to me? Because God is good, and that's all he can be because it's who, what his character is. All good and perfect things come from him. We lament because of sin, the brokenness in this world. So if there is brokenness, God's not the one sitting there testing us and playing with us and toying with us, right? Whenever we think that way, we have a question about the goodness of God. We have a question about God's character. And what I want to do right now is I want to challenge that questioning of God's character in your heart. Because when we walk through hard times, I don't care if you're sitting here with your hands lifted up. You can still be sitting here, hands lifted up, smiling, and in the back of your mind, you're like, I don't know if God is really that good. I don't really know if he's that faithful because of this, this, and this. And I get that, and I'm not being insensitive to that. I have prayed those same prayers. I've been praying those prayers on Saturday night when I have to get up on a Sunday morning and, and teach about the sovereignty of God. I understand the tension in those moments. I sat with somebody about three or four months ago, my back porch, who lost a sister and then a fiance within five years of each other in a tragic way. And I sat there and I encouraged him in the goodness of God despite the tragedy that was sitting in front of him again. Sometimes you can only stand on, on your understanding and your trust in God. But y'all, listen, I don't bring my pain to somebody I don't trust. I don't do that. And so if I can't trust God, then I can't bring my pain to God. I'm not going to turn to him just like I wouldn't to a person that has, you know, they've messed me over a few times. I just don't trust them. And so if we really boil it down to the center of what the conversation is, it's this right here. There's no relationship that can, can withstand lack of trust. And it's the same thing with God. Some of you, you feel like God has broken the trust between you and him. And, and I know it's painful. And the things that we're talking about, this is some core conversations. But can I trust God? The question is, do I trust God's character enough to trust him with my pain? 
Do I trust God's character? Now, pain is a unique opportunity in this life to learn about the goodness and the comfort of God. And it's also something temporary. Did y'all know that pain is temporary? The discomfort in your life, the pain, the frustration, the anger, the loss, the grief, it's temporary. For the believer, despite all of these horrible things that we face, man, we've got hope, y'all. We have hope in Jesus that he has begun the process of salvation in this world, and he is going to be faithful to complete the process of salvation. And although we are going to face things, we need to learn how to lament well. We don't just bottle those things up, suppress them. No, let's learn to be open with these things. Let's learn to be open with our pain and learn to trust God in these difficult situations. Habakkuk 3 says this, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Everything this person just said is it's bad seasons. It's bad seasons. You know, we might not be talking about olives or figs on the tree, all right? But take that and apply it to your life. Though that thing took place that you were praying wouldn't take place, though that worst case scenario stood up, though it feels like you've been struggling over it, man, it oh, though it feels like God's face is not turned toward, turned towards you. Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. Come on, y'all. Do y'all see what happens whenever we read these scriptures and we talk about these things? It's painful, but at the same time, you begin to draw on a faith and a strength that's founded in the Lord. It's, it's based in Jesus, and it's not based in your situation changing. And that's what lamenting does. We pray. We come up against that mountain, and we, we're, we're real about it. It's there. We turn to God. We turn to him for help. We turn to people for help. We learn to trust in him, and we find a strength and a grace to walk through those things and not waver and not quit and not allow the enemy to kill our lives and destroy us and destroy our families and steal our faith. I want to encourage you today in these things. And, and I, I know that sermons like this, it, it, this is the way that I always picture it. It's, it's like, a, it's like you know, a body of water. It's like a pond or something like that or like a lake. And it's almost like you throw a big rock into that lake and it hits the ground and it stirs up all the mud and all the silt at the bottom, right? And, and that's why a lot of times we don't want to bring this kind of stuff up is because we, we get to a place where we've let all those things settle and it's like, just don't touch it. Just don't talk about it. Just, you know what I'm saying? Don't brush close to it because it's going to come back up and then I've got to deal with it all over again. Or it's going to take six months for my anxiety and my emotions to, to go back down. And I would say, man, let, let's actually find true healing, right? Where we, where we learn to deal with these things, where we can then use these stories and use these situations that we've walked through to help those around us. For some of you... Whenever everybody raised their hand, you might know some of the people that raised their hand, and you know their story. And what you're walking through, 
you're in the place where you're, you're having to learn how to walk through tough times. Listen, when this service is done, you might need to go find that person. Text them, call them, whatever, go get coffee and say, listen, I'm going through A, B, and C, and I know that you went through that. How did you do that properly in a way that didn't cause you to question God? Or, or even for me, I feel, like I, I feel like I hate God. I feel like I'm really struggling with who God is. Some of you, that, that might be your next step today, this week, maybe in January. Your, your New Year's thing, right, your New Year's goal is to sit down with somebody who's been through that and lean into that. But we can't just say, hey, don't, don't go close to it. Don't go close to it because it might stir it up. Let's learn to lament well. Let me pray for you. Father, we're coming before you right now. And God, we're asking for your help. Lord, the things that we've talked about today, God, you know each and every one of us. You know our stories. Lord, you have heard the prayers that for some of us we wish that you wouldn't have heard because of the frustration, because of the pain. But God, today, we're all humbly asking that you would teach us how to walk through pain well. God, how to lament properly. God, I'm praying that you minister to your people right now in this place. God, for those who are walking through it right now, through the difficult situation right now, through the loss right now, God, I'm praying that by your, by your, your grace, that you would fill them with your presence. God, that your peace that passes all understanding in this time would truly be felt, it would truly be experienced. That the joy of the Lord would truly be their strength. God, that you would uphold them with your right hand. That you would show yourself to be strong in their, in their lives right now. God, you have, been, you have been honest with us about how we will walk through trials, how we will walk through tribulations. But God, you've also been direct and straightforward that you would be with us. That the Holy Spirit is our comforter. And so God, we're asking right now that you would comfort us. Come on right now. Nobody's looking around. If you're, if you're in a, an intense time. I want you just to lift up your hands to God. Come on. Nobody's looking around. I'm not looking at you. It's just a sign of, of openness saying, God, would you fill me with your presence? Lord, would you turn your face to me right now? God, would you, you fill me with your spirit? Lord, would you give me strength? Would you give me strength again to approach those things, those situations, to, to lament through these, to go through the process, God, of healing? Help me, God. Maybe you know somebody that you're close to. They're walking through this. Just pray for them right now. Say, God, I pray that you would be with them, that your grace would be sufficient for them. Lord, that they would be able to do exactly what we've talked to. God, that you would help them to, to not be overcome by grief and sorrow and turn from you, but God, that you would help them to turn to you. Lord, let the brokenness in their life lead them to you. We lean into your presence right now, God. And God, for those who feel like they can't trust you, Lord, I'm asking that you would open up that part of their heart again to trust your goodness, to trust your character, and to bring their pain to you. God, as they walk through this, this tough season, God, that you would give them hope that there is spring and that there is summer right around the, right around the turn. God, we thank you that we can have hope in you. That we have hope in you because of Jesus. God, we're celebrating that you came to this earth 
Emmanuel, God with us. And God, we declare that we are going to rejoice in you. We're going to praise you because you are good. You're faithful. Your mercy endures forever. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.